Let us worship God, our guide. God leads us apart from the fears and anxieties of the world. Let us worship God, our guardian. God protects us in the shelter of peace and love. Let us worship God, our friend. God calls us each by name. Let us worship God, our shepherd. We confess that often we fail to hear God's voice calling us. We have not followed as we should. We ask for God's forgiveness. We pause for a moment of silent penitence. Sisters and brothers, God welcomes all with inclusive love. God has grace aplenty. We are forgiven. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church on this good day. It's good to have those of you who are guests and visiting with us today. Uh, some of our folk are out traveling, but you have come and traveled here, so welcome. There is on the edge of your order of service a welcome card. If you'd take a, a moment to uh, fill that out, it will help, my, help me connect with you by name and face if you're a guest. And then for any of you who would like to be prayed for this week, you can put your name and prayer request on that card, drop it in the offering plate when it's passed, and it's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and need uh, every week. So feel free to do that. Now you'll notice that we have a guest in the service named Naomi back there with a video camera. I know this is unusual for us, kind of like weddings. We don't want these cameras around doing too much. But as uh, you know, as some of you have said, uh, Northside Drive Baptist Church is one of the best kept secrets in Atlanta. And so our outreach and marketing committee have said, how can we better tell our story of who we already are? And so today, not every Sunday, but today, Naomi's gonna be doing uh, some video filming for us. And some of you have been interviewed and are helping with us uh, in, in telling our story. So Naomi, welcome and thank you uh, for your help. The scriptures that we will hear today uh, continue to tell the story of Easter in many ways, of how Easter continues to unfold before us. I'm going to be preaching on the first lesson that you'll hear in just a moment in a way that I like to think of the season of Easter, the 50 great days, as the stone on the tomb that keeps on rolling. And most of the time it rolls on the toes of the church. Today is one of those examples in Acts chapter 11. So we open our hearts as well as our ears to hear these words. Welcome to the worship of God. Simon Peter defended his choices to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit through God though God let him, led him beyond the boundaries of Peter's theology and tradition. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles, Acts 11, 1 through 18. Now, the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. 
But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Kassara arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Here ends the first lesson. And now let us pray. Lord, calm us this morning. Clear our hearts and minds in preparation to worship you. Take away the stresses and anxieties of the world and our busy lives. We come to you today singing the praises of you and your son, the risen Savior, and the other many names that we know him as, our guide, our guardian, our friend, our shepherd. We come to you in this spring season celebrating new life all around us. And we thank you for these blessings. And now let us pray the prayer taught to you, taught to us by your son, saying boldly, Our Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. God promises a new day when there will be no more death or pain or mourning, for God will wipe away every tear. A reading from the Revelation to John. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among the mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first, time, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Here ends the second lesson. At this time, I'd like to invite all the children to come forward to the steps. Thank you. All right, Pastor Daniel's got the offering plate if you have an offering envelope. All right, sit down, Aaron. 
did I bring today? Look at this. Do you have one of these? I brought some, I brought some toys today. Aaron and Leah shared some of them, and uh, they said it was okay for us to, to bring them today to share. So we could do a little lesson today. Well, today, I wanted to teach y'all. What did I bring? What is this? It's a castle. So, <laughs> and Leah brought ponies, too. She's wanting to show them. So I wanted to give you guys, talk to you guys just a little bit about God's kingdom today. And sometimes when I think about a kingdom, I think about a castle. So just for today, we're going to talk about God's kingdom, and we're going to use this little castle to talk about that. So, and I also have a, a basket of some things that Leah and Aaron let me bring with me. I've got um, some really tall Barbie dolls, and I've got some really short little people, and I've got even a mouse here, and I even have some Lego people in here. Yeah, so, I mean, these, all these people, oh, and some ponies, don't forget the ponies, I have them too, and they're, they're, they're not the same as anything else. See, this one's yellow, and this one's pinkish, purple, they got all sorts of things. So, this kingdom is pretty big right? This is a pretty big castle. And you know, God's kingdom is also pretty big. These doors are closed. Let's open those. Because God's kingdom has a lot of space and big doors, big places for everyone to enter. So, no matter if... What about these people? They, uh, this Barbie has curly hair. And this Barbie, she's got straight hair. Do you think there's room for them and that you don't think so let's turn it around let's whoa look how much room there is back here i think we could live the two barbies right here they kind of fit right there don't they yeah what about the lego people what do you think there's space enough for them well wait a minute barbie's already got here first and they're pretty big what if barbie says well you know i've already been here and there's there's just not enough room in here with us. What if this Barbie says that? Can the Lego people still come? You think so? What if this Barbie said, wait a minute, Barbie. I think there's more room and this Lego person can come. I, I think we can share the space. Okay. All right. So we'll put him in there. What if this Lego person is in here and this Lego person says, you know what? This balcony is just the right size for me. And I don't know if there's any more room for me in here with these Barbies. There's no more room in this kingdom. But what if this little boy wants to come? Do you think there's room? Well, he doesn't look like this Lego person. And he's not as tall as this Barbie person. Do you think this different person, there's enough room? Where can we put him? Right here? There's enough room for him. What about all these other toys? Do you think there's room for these little ponies? See if there's room. You want to put it up there? How about this girl? Can you put her up there? Is there enough room for all these things? How about these Lego people? Put a Lego person up there. You put one up there, Sloan. How about this pony too, Barrett? Now look at all these different people and things that fit inside of our kingdom of God. Thank you to all my helpers. Thank you. Now... If we look at this kingdom of God, nobody looks the same in here, do they? And even though they thought that there wasn't enough room, look, they all fit. And even though they're different, they all are together. Oh, Minnie, we forgot her. She's got to go. So even if you're a mouse or a pony or a Lego person or a Barbie... Even if you go to this church, or you go to another church, or maybe your friend goes to a mosque, or maybe your friend goes to a synagogue, I think somehow the kingdom might be big enough for everyone. And that's good news this morning. So let's close our eyes and say a little prayer. Dear God, thank you for how much room and how much space you make for all of us, no matter who we are, no matter what size we are, or where we are in life. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kingdom. Amen. Let's go, guys. Little ones downstairs. Thank you, boys and girls. 
Now, the hymn that we're getting ready to sing in a moment is a hymn that I thought that I had outgrown. There's a certain kind of hymnody that I thought I'd gotten too sophisticated for, for several decades. And um, it occurs to me that every hymn is a time capsule. It is about a certain people in a certain time and in a certain place. And I thought I had outgrown gospel songs like the one we're going to sing in a minute, but uh, I, I was wrong about that. I didn't like their galloping rhythms of tunes, and I didn't like their gaudy, literal lyrics. But when you think about it, all words are metaphors anyway, right? Whether it's immortal, invisible, God-only-wise, or when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Those are metaphors that point to realities bigger than words can control or contain. And so as long as we know that, it helps me get there. We, as a congregation, need the passion in the tunes of these gospel songs. We need the robust joy that is in the tunes of these gospel songs. And this song was written by two women that had to use initials for the long t longest time, a pseudonym in other words, because people wouldn't publish their materials because they were women. We're going to sing this song because it speaks of heaven that Josh read about from Revelation. It echoes that. We'll sing the first, second, and fourth stanza. Let's stand together now and sing. the Good Shepherd, a reading from the Gospel according to John, John 10, 14-16. I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock one shepherd. The Gospel of the Lord. That the Old Testament prophet, there we go, can you hear me now? 
All right, in, in case any of you were asleep during that, by the way, if we're videoing the sermon, <laughs> beware those of you who sleep and you know who you are. Uh, let's see. Uh, one day upon studying the Bible, it dawned on me that the Old Testament prophet, the one that was swallowed by a whale or a big fish, and the New Testament character named Simon Peter had the same last name. Remember, Jesus said to Peter when he gave him that name, he called him Simon, but he said, Simon bar Jonah, bar meaning son of, Simon, son of Jonah. And Peter said, said to Jesus, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon bar Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but God who is in heaven has. Simon, son of Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. It occurred to me that these two guys have more in common than I first thought. Like, uh, they both did not want to do or go where God sent them, right? Jonah, in the Old Testament, is sent to Nineveh, a place where there are no Jews, a place where there were only the non-Jews who did not believe in Yahweh, Elohim, their God, and he was afraid if he preached to them, they would repent and God would forgive them. And sure enough, that's exactly what God did. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Peter did not want to go to Cornelius. Peter was called, go to a Gentile's house. The first thing Peter does, he walks in and says, now I shouldn't be here. It's not right for a Jew to be walking into a Gentile's house. They didn't want to go where God sent them. The second thing they have in common is that they both were from Joppa. Remember? Jonah, running from God, goes to Joppa, catches a ship to go to the middle of nowhere, and sure enough, he can't get away from God. He leaves the seaport of Joppa, which is a suburb of modern-day Tel Aviv. Where does the text say that Peter was when he had this vision? He was in Joppa. It was from Joppa that God calls him to go see this Roman centurion named Cornelius. They both move out of Joppa. The third thing that they have in common is, how to say this, um, that they, they were both pushed by God, by the Spirit, to go to the edge of themselves. And when we go to the edge of ourselves, we discover that we've gone right to the center of the heart of God. Jonah, Simon, bar Jonah, they have more in common than I realize. Now, you remember the story about Jonah. He's always, I mean, uh, Simon bar Jonah, Simon Peter. He's always stumbling around, always putting his foot in his mouth. He said this because he didn't know what to say one time. The text says, he walks on water, talks, takes his eyes off Jesus, he starts to sink like a rock. Jesus says, one of you is going to deny me. He goes, well, whoever it is, it's not, not I. Jesus said, before the cock crows three times tonight, you will. And he did, and he wept large tears. Of all the stumbling around that Simon Bar Jonah does, the greatest thing he does is stumble over the boundary of where he thought the love of God stopped and discovered just how wide the love of God is. He goes and preaches these people. Cornelius and others are converted. The Spirit comes to them. And what happens is where it was picked up in the text today. He's called on the carpet by the Jerusalem Council. It starts in the principal's office. Young man, we want to see you and that's exactly where Simon Peter goes. And they ask him two questions. Both would put me on the defensive. It is, why did you take the gospel to the Gentiles, and why did you eat with them? Who gave you permission? How was it decided that you would go to the, the Gentiles and that you would eat with them? Now, I'll come back to that eating thing later. But as you all know, a meal shared is a theological event, right? 
in kosher when it comes to Jewish dietary laws. A meal is a theological event. And in many ways it still is. I mean, for one thing, when you sit down rather than stand up, it has changed the politics of the room, right? You know, it wasn't, you can stand by anybody, stand by, vertical integration is okay. But when you sit down, well, huh, you need to, if you're going to sit down, you need to go to the back of the bus, right? So, it's who we recline with and eat, who we sit by and eat, that we are making a theological statement. Those are the two things that they called him on the carpet about. It would have put me on the defensive. Strangely enough, it did not Simon Peter, Simon Bar Jonah. He, basically, he takes their position. He says, I'm as shocked as anybody. It's as strange to me as it is to you. Here's the story, and he gives the backstory. Now, this is told in two different chapters, chapters 10, chapters 11. It must have been important to the early church to tell this story well. He tells the whole thing again. I was in Joppa. I was minding my own business and praying when I had this vision. Now, just a little bit of sidebar, note to self. Um, prayer is a dangerous thing, right? I mean, we like to think of it as a nice fireside chat, good friend. It's okay to think of it like that. But here was Peter praying. I don't know, maybe he was praying for foreign missions. God bless the missionaries over there. But because prayer is so dangerous, sometimes the problems you pray about, you become the solution. Duh. Here was Peter maybe thinking, may the gospel spread to the ends of the earth. And God says, well, now that you've mentioned that, Peter, you're drafted. And he drafts him by this, this uh, tablecloth that comes down from heaven once, twice, three times, perhaps for emphasis, with all sorts of animals on it, several of which are not kosher. They are forbidden in the Torah, in the Old Testament. And God says, now, eat, eat these things in this vision he's having. Simon Barjona says, no, Lord, I'm not going to eat. It's, 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 a, it's against the Bible. God says, well, I've called these clean, and don't you call anything unclean that I have called clean. Now there's a double entendre because he's about to go to a person's house who is unclean. About that time, there's a knock on the door. It's men that have been sent by Cornelius, this Roman Gentile centurion. They say, we're supposed to come and get you. Peter goes, well, that's strangely familiar. I was just having a dream about something like this. He goes, goes to Cornelius' house, tells all this story to the Jerusalem council. He says, I go there, I go in, I say I'm not supposed to be here. I'm a Jew, you're a Gentile, this is forbidden, but yet the Spirit has led me here. And then he goes to preaching. He tells the story of Jesus and the expansive, expanding, crescendoing gospel that, that, that comes through Easter and through the whole world. And the Holy Spirit descends upon them, these Gentiles. My hunch is that the Jerusalem Council had just about had enough by that point. My hunch is they spoke up and said, hey, wait a minute, uh, you haven't gotten to that point yet about how did you eat with them, who gave you permission to go. It would be like, it would be like, let's see, what would it be like? It would be like, uh, the Jerusalem Council says, we know that you were in Nashville at that Walgreens in 1960 with those lunch counter stools, and we know with whom you went to eat when it said whites only. Who gave you permission to go do that? Or it would be like them saying, uh, we heard that not only did you make the wedding cake and serve the wedding cake and eat the contraband wedding cake for this marriage, who gave you permission to believe that all are welcome 
to participate in the rites and rituals of the people of God. You see? It had a spin to it and had a twist of the knife. Who gave you permission to eat with them? Again, Peter, non-defensively, you know, it surprised me as much as it did anybody. But at that time, he says, I remembered. It's a word that Liz and I were talking about the other day. She's going to be preaching next Sunday at the decoration service at the family cemetery where her mama and her brother and her uncles and grandparents are buried. And she's, she's working with that remember notion. It's throughout the Bible, especially the Psalms. Do you not remember? And, and Simon Bar-Jonah says, And I remembered the Lord said, John will baptize with water, but the Holy Spirit will baptize. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I witnessed it happening. I remembered. The last line of that little sermon he gives is, And when I saw that the Spirit fell on them as it did on us, I said, who am I to hinder God? You've heard me riff on that Greek word there before. The word hinder is the word kaluo. Who am I to kaluo, to hinder God? It was used three chapters before. When Philip, the troublemaking deacon, was sent by God out on this deserted road and along comes a chariot, Riding in the chariot is an Ethiopian eunuch, one outside the faith, the race, the ethnicity. And the Ethiopian eunuch comes along with a Bible open in his lap. The spirit leads Philip to jump in the chariot with him. And it turns out the Ethiopian eunuch said, I'm ready to be a believer. Matter of fact, look, there's all this water here. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Word kaluo. What what Kalu owes me to be baptized? And Philip could have said, well, I'll tell you, about a good part of the Bible will Kalu owe you. Let me start with numbers here about eunuchs not welcome in the assembly. And then there's this thing about you're not a Jew, and there's this thing about they, they knew their Bible, but they were in the moment where the Spirit was bigger than the Bible. The width of God was certainly wider than the text in the scroll. There's nothing that Kalu owes you. And you know, the last word in the book of Acts, in the Bible, the last word of that story, it says, and Paul preached the gospel unkaluoed, unhindered. Matter of fact, Frank Stagg wrote New Testament theology called the unhindered gospel. What doth hinder me? And Simon Bar-Jonah says, Who am I to hinder God? Now it's a miraculous story because I think the real punchline is not the conversion of Cornelius. I think it's the conversion of Simon Bar-Jonah. That God was a lot wider than he suspected. And it's the conversion of the Jerusalem council. Because they say, well, I guess we're wrong. God has sent the gospel to the Gentiles. I mean, how many times does that happen? Very few, I think. I mean, how many meetings have you been in? You've laid out fact after fact after fact, and the group goes, no, we think we're going to do something else. Because most human decisions are not rational. They are emotional, right? But suddenly they are converted And they say, I guess not. God has taken the story, the gospel to the Gentiles. God always meets us on the edge of ourselves. And somehow when we go to the edge of ourselves, we go to the very center and the heart of God because there's nowhere we can go that God is not. That's not right in the center of God. Yeah, old Jonah, the Old Testament prophet, was swallowed by a great fish. But Simon Bar-Jonah of the New Testament was swallowed by something even bigger, by a great big faith. The faith of God and faith in God, in fact, it is as large as the heart of God.
He discovered that. And so have you. And so have you. Amen. It is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is given. As we uh, open our hearts and ears to the word that meets us in Joppa, or meets us in Conyers, or meets us in Buckhead, and calls us to continue our flowering into full bloom, for God's sake, for the love of God. We will sing a hymn that speaks of God's work in our lives, where across the crowded ways of life. Let's stand together and sing. I want to bring a few celebrations and concerns and some announcements to you this morning. 
We continue the taking of photographs for our updated member directory. If you signed up for today, you can simply go out this door, or the one out in the narthex, to the colonnade directly on this side of the sanctuary. Well, Marty Cope will be taking your photograph. There's still some places to sign up if you haven't for today. Also, there's a sign-up sheet in the narthex for the Sundays where Marty will be here to take photographs. Please look at that and sign up for a date. Directly after the service, we'll have a church and conference, uh, as it says in the back of your order of worship. That's in the fellowship hall. All are invited, and there a lunch will be provided. Also, there will be no church school next week, but I understand, despite the proximity to Memorial Day, we will have worship. Hallelujah and praise God. This coming Saturday is the funeral service for Bill Jones. That will be at 11 a.m. in the chapel, followed by a reception in the fellowship hall this Saturday at 11 a few prayer concerns to bring to you this morning. First, a celebration, uh, and then some weeping and mourning with a member. Uh, celebration for Fulgencio and Dahlia Farrar, who their daughter Priscilla gave birth yesterday to Elizabeth James. Mama and baby are healthy. We celebrate with the happy family. And we mourn with Posey Starkey, whose son-in-law, Wally Duncan, who had been sick for some time and had been in the hospital, he died yesterday. The funeral services likely will be Thursday, although that's still being arranged, and that will be at First Baptist Church of Marietta. So we, although Posey's not here, he's with us in spirit, and we embrace him and pray for him and his family this morning. As we pray for each of you who carry your concerns and your burdens that you and God know, we hold them dear. Perhaps there's some weariness in your heart, perhaps there's joy, and you'll hear both of those expressed in the offertory hymn that we're about to sing. O love that will not let me go, a love that's so big that God will not let you go. Let's worship.
All-loving God, there is so much for which we are thankful. We are glad for those weeks that we can live with great joy and promise. But we are also glad that you accompany us like in the choir song, even in the times of pain, that you come to us and see us through. Receive these offerings as symbols of our love and our commitment to your great realm that continues to echo out and into the world. And so now may we sing of all things, all things now living, a choir and song of thanksgiving to you, God, in the highest. Glad Hosanna and praise we sing in Christ's name. Amen. And so as we prepare to go to the fellowship hall for church in conference, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.
Check one, two, check one, two. Check one, two, check one, two.